Well, the losing streak is over, but the winning or the winless streak, I should say, continues into six for Toronto FC after they work out really play for uh, a one or two two excuse me draw against DC United in Washington on Saturday. Uh, thank you for listening in in the latest edition of the Tunnel Club. Long weekend special edition uh, show. Uh, as always, it's me, Mike Newell, um, and Sean Levy with you today. Um, Sean, you know, Saturday was a- an interesting watch. Um, I-, I don't know how you felt, but I felt out there listening to the different sort of voices, both on Twitter and in social media and in TFC land, that there wasn't a lot of um a lot of expectation for this team to get a result uh in DC given the the recent run of form but uh they come out with a draw um so give me your thoughts on just overall you know the 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 losing streak ends but the winless streak continues are you relieved are you annoyed how are you feeling after having a few days to digest the result um i guess i'm going to say i'm 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 happy with it wasn't a loss. It's kind of the easy, simple <laughs> That's way, a good way to put it. Right? Yeah. Um, I know you know, like I, I did tweet out, you know, hey, we got a point, and I'm I said that sarcastically in the sense of, you know, with everything that's happened in the past few weeks, with the the struggles, the the non calls or or bad calls against, you know. I'll take a draw at this point when you've got, you know, the, again, you're playing core young kids who, again, two bright spots we'll touch on at a certain point, but you kind of just have to be like, you know what? I want to see them fight. I don't want to see them be embarrassed. I don't want to see them humiliated. I don't want to feel as if there isn't some, like we might not see the results in the sense of wins, but I want to feel that there's something building there. And the only way for that to happen is a seeing the growth from the young players. And, you know, now we're starting to see a little bit of, you know, Jonathan coming back. He was, uh, you know, a big boost in the late in the second half. You know, we've got to take the bright spots. There's definitely some stuff we need to touch on that we've probably already touched on through, uh, in previous shows. But I'm going to take the draw as a positive compared to the past, the previous games where, you know, whether or not we should have gotten at least a draw in the past, we didn't lose. Yeah, it's an interesting one. And uh, for the room, I guess the sort of question of the show, um, and feel free to either grab the mic, uh, the bottom left-hand corner, if you're on your phone, uh, and and get your thoughts in. Or uh, if it's more convenient for you, go ahead and, you know, at messages or DM us on Twitter with a question. Uh, follow us at TFC Tunnel Club on Twitter. Uh, if you have a question or a comment, uh, you can DM it to us and we'll get it in the show. Um, for me, I personally, uh, it's it's a weird, this is a weird game because, and we're going to touch on it in a second, but this team has this really bad habit of starting poorly. Like they do not start games well. Um, and, and that could be a, 
a symptom of being a very young team um, and learning how to impose yourself early in a game. But th- this team does not start well. And it, it's, it gets concerning early because it looks like they could get, you know, they could have given up a few goals within the first 10 minutes of the match. Um, that's how poor they were um, to, to start the game. And then obviously they, they kind of grew into the game um, as, as they, they go, they went along and Bob Bradley made some tactical adjustments, but you know, they're, you know, we're 12, what, 12 games in now. Um, and again, you starting to get the barometer of, of what teams are in MLS, right? Um, those who kind of had hot starts, are starting that that were surprises are starting to fade a little bit. You know, you're looking at the Chicago's, um, you're looking at the Austins a little bit, um, and they're kind of regressing to the mean. And I feel like Toronto FC is regressing to where they probably really are um, as a club. And we kind of mentioned it last week. You know, I think there's this is a team right now that you know has a really hard time. Um, really uh, imposing themselves on games uh, and it, it costs them early, uh, you know, so let's get into some of the talking points here. And, and some of my future points will go into some of our talking points here, but we'll just start off with this idea of the poor start. Um, obviously they give the goal up in the first 10 minutes. Um, they were not good to start the match. Um, I, I guess the, my question to you, Sean, and to the room also is just, who are we kind of pointing at now? You know, it's 12 games in. Yes, it's still somewhat early, but every game it feels like this team does not get off to good start. So are we pointing the finger at Bob Bradley? Are we looking at the players here and saying, like, you know, what, what is sort of the 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 issue in terms of just getting off to, to not great starts? Sean, I'll get your thoughts first, and then uh, we got our first uh, caller in Chris here, and I'll bring him in in a sec. Um. Well, yes and no. Yes, I, I think there's blame. There's multiple blame, right? Um, Bob has to take some of it, but I mean, he, the players have to own it. Like, as you would assume, as an athlete, as a professional athlete, that you know you're mentally ready for kickoff. You're red, mentally ready for you know whatever role is required of you. Uh, on the, on the pitch. So is is it that you know the message is there's something being lost in translation from what the coach is asking of the players? Is it the players just uh you know like literally just take unfortunately take some guys you know 10 15 minutes to get their legs go like I don't know what it is but there has to be that there's an issue. Right. So I don't know. Do we blame? Is it solely on the coaching staff? Is it solely on the players or is it a combination of both? I honestly I don't know, but there's a problem. Yeah. And and Chris, I'll uh, invite you to unmute your mic and give us your thoughts, um, you know, in terms of this. But uh, it, it just feels like right now the team, because it still is finding its identity uh, under Bob Bradley a little bit. They, they kind of look lost when they start matches and both, both from, from how, what they want to do offensively, but also and mainly from a defensive perspective, they look like they're all over the place. You know, the wing backs are pushing incredibly high. Um, it's kind of how they got beaten on the first goal. You know, the center backs aren't rotating to cover space fast enough, you know, so you end up having, 
you know, uh, Edison Flores is basically walking into open space and tapping a ball by Alex Bono, right? And and I think that that happens way too often with this team within the first, I would say, 20 minutes of a match, almost every match. Um, I would say if, any, if I'm going to put the blame on anybody, it's the veteran players. Um, some of the mistakes they make, especially at the beginning of games, are really unforgivable. Like, do you expect these things out of kids? Uh, but, like, for example, last game, Carlos Salcedo, on the first goal we gave up, he was the one to make the first mistake by just letting his man get to the byline and whoop in the ball as easy as you like, no pressure, n- no diving in to make a block, nothing. Um, and then a couple of minutes later, he makes another mistake, a similar mistake. He doesn't learn from his first mistake. And then he ends up getting a yellow card. So um, to me, I, I don't know what Bob Bradley can do about that. Like, does Bob Bradley tell Sacido to fall asleep and just let his man beat him to the byline and whip a ball in? I, I don't think he does. So to me, it's the veteran players. They've got to step up. These young players, I expect them to make mistakes. Um, but I've been finding... Um, it's not always just one mistake. It's numerous mistakes. Uh, our, our backline, including the goalkeeper, keep making. Um, for example, in the first goal, I've already mentioned what Salcedo does. And then McNaughton and Closey Thompson just both fall asleep and let a man get into the six-yard box in between the two of them to tap it in. Like If I was playing in my high school playing career, that is a bad goal to give up, just letting a guy just run in free into the box. No one's marking him. Um, and we make the, that similar type of mistakes often. We leave men unmarked in the box. I remember Gressel had a great opportunity early in the second half. The ball just lands to him wide open, and he skies it over. Um, I, I'm not quite sure. And then on the second goal, Kosi, yes, he lets his man get in behind him, and he shouldn't be doing that. Um, he should be keeping his man in front of him as best as he can. But then once again, Bono sleeping on his line. And he doesn't want to come out and make a challenge. Um, It's always multiple mistakes. It's hard to point out one person, but I, like, I can, I can, I can let the blame go by with the younger players. You expect the sort of thing from them, but like the veteran players, right now would probably be Salcedo and Bono. They really can't be making mistakes because we have the kids making mistakes and we have them making mistakes, and then everybody lacks confidence. Nobody in our backline and goalkeeping has any confidence right now. And then, no, oh, did we lose you there, Chris? Yeah, I think we might have lost Chris there for a sec. Um, but yeah, Chris, I, I get your point, right? Like, I, I think that you know you do have somewhat need to point to some of the senior players uh, in terms of some of the issues that they're having. Um, I guess my my question and why I, I sort of look maybe at Bob Bradley is because, yes, okay, he, obviously he's not the one out there on the pitch making plays and and you know you know d- directing that way, but you know his his talks prior to the start of a match, you know his his ability to get the players focused on what they need to do in those first because you know like managers break games into chunks right it's not just okay, go play the first half, we'd have a halftime talk, and then play the second half, right? They break the game into specific chunks throughout um, halves, right, in terms of what he wants to see the team execute. And I wonder if that message is getting through early on enough because 
the team responds really well when they go down, right? Like we saw again in this game where they go down and then almost immediately they start to play better, right? Obviously, you know, Bob Bradley makes a tactical change and, and brings Io a little closer to, or pushes him up a little closer to uh, Eminez so that they're almost playing as a front two. But, you know, I guess, you know, is that a tactical thing that he needs to find out sooner in a game or is it, you know, is it that sort of having that conversation prior to the match to to get players sort of focused to start? I mean, every coach has to be prepared to make tactical changes with, uh, in a game. You know, you go in with a with a a set uh, formation or a style to play and have to uh, adapt or adjust on the fly. That's expected. But from a defensive standpoint, there's a problem, right? Because you're right. One good thing about the team is that we have the fight back. We haven't literally, there hasn't been a game this year that we haven't shown that like even in defeat, we haven't seen shown that, you know, we're not the team's willing to fight each game, give it to the last whistle. But, you know, when you are always fighting from the back foot in the first 10, 15 minutes by conceding that early, it, it is demoralizing and and you you kind of touched on it from from a keeper standpoint and maybe this is something that really and this is not a knock on bono but when you already when he's basically admitted that you know it, he's having some mental struggles maybe it's time you make a change i'm not going to solely blame him on that second goal but in my opinion that was on him right there are other factors in uh that you know caused the the play that 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 eventually you know caused that goal but I, his delay in coming off the line even when he came off he just it, i didn't see any confidence in his play at that moment um but again back to your the original point it, i don't know what it is why they're they're starting so slow yes you have young players, but you know what? The problem is we're seeing the same mistakes week in, week out. So at what point are they not adjust- making the adjustments so that they kind of are a little bit more prepared from a defensive standpoint to not ha- be making the same mistakes week in, week out? And it doesn't matter if it's whether it be Kosi or somebody else. It's one of the, it, it tends to be one of the young guys that, that misses a, a coverage or a marking on somebody in the box. And that's something that is, is – with all the good things we're seeing out of them, that's hurting us week in, week out. Yeah, and look, we, we've said in this show and, and a lot of other shows, right, you're going to have to live with some of those mistakes from the young players. Like, for, for sure, you know, if you want to see these kids develop, and I keep calling them kids, they're not kids, they're good men. But, you know, like, they, you know, they, you want to see them, you, you want to see improvement. And right now, I, I think we're seeing improvement of them going forward defensively we're seeing that maturity still build in them. Um, I, I guess my concern partly again is, you know, is Bob Bradley's message getting out there quick enough to players on um, the start matches and, you know, are the senior players, you know, are they performing to a level that will help these young players? Cause sometimes look at senior players are going to have to cover up for some of the mistakes they make. Right. And, and that's just that's kind of part of it right now. But, you know, on that first goal, it was super easy. Right. Um, you know, Luca Petrasso gets caught up pitch. Um, ball gets played over the top. It, it, you know, it wasn't like they were undone by a brilliant piece of play. Right. It was it was pretty straightforward. 
um, in terms of how they 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 got their first goal. It was kind of not I won't say route one, but it was it was you know down the flank, cross in, uh, you know tap it essentially um, for for Flores. Uh, not much Alex Bono could do on that goal. We will touch on the goalkeeping and you know later on in the show we're definitely going to talk about that. Um, but you know, you just, just the, the, the rotations weren't there. McNaughton was a little slow on the rotation, um, to allow Flores to get in front of him. Uh, you know, and that's the goal that said not to be completely negative, because again, they do get a point out of this game after that goal, they start to go forward and they make a little tactical adjustment. And then you start to see, um, the, the, what we, again, what we think we're going to see from a Bob Bradley team. Um, as this sort of project develops over time, right? Um, it, it was interesting also, and it was mentioned in the broadcast, um, the adjustment of pushing Io Akinola up as a second striker instead of kind of a, a kind of a winger. Um, and, and then Jesus Jimenez dropping into space to pick up the ball in those spaces, kind of playing the Pozuelo role a little bit, um, obviously with Pozuelo being out. Um, you know, he, he was effective dropping into that space and allowing them to connect and, uh, between him and Deandre Kerr, who was able to get the sort of, again, once he pushed into that wing spot was able, you know, to start beating guys off the dribble and really looked good in that, in that, especially in that first half, he faded a little bit in the second half, but, um, in that first half was really dynamic in running at players, uh, in causing, some trouble to the DCU back line. Uh, you know, I thought that tactical adjustment was really good and allowed TFC to get their foot on the ball and start to play. And once they did, I think you start to see what we've kind of been talking about over the last couple of weeks, right? Like the, the improvements in the way they're going forward, it's there. It's just, it's in spurts. It's not a consistent full 90 kind of performance. Um, I don't know if you feel the same, Sean, but that, that's kind of what I saw leading up to the first goal. Yeah, definitely the the adjustment allowed um, for them to open up and and play to their strengths. Um, but again, so let, I won't harp on on the on on the negatives. So from a, a, a positive standpoint, you go down, you you adjust formation, you push forward, you start to open it up, and you look more threatening on the offensive side. And we've seen, again, like you said, we've seen throughout this year moments where on that, off, you know, in, in, the, in their end, when we put them in the defensive zone, the team looks good. The team looks, they can move the ball. Tends where we've had some issues outside of Jimenez scoring is any additional threat in that final third. Um, but we looked, I, I was impressed on, again, how we adjusted, how we, fought back, but it, 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 it's not consistent enough. And it tends to always be from the back. We're playing, you know, from on the back foot down a goal, having to, to force it a little bit more instead of kind of taking control of the game from the start of the whistle. Yeah. And, and that's sort of the unfortunate part, right? Because if they could sort out that start, I think they would be in a better position than they are now. Uh, in terms of points and where they're understanding. Now, keep in mind, I think they're only four points out of a playoff spot. So let's not go all doom and gloom completely. Uh, it's not like they're completely dead and buried. Um, but, you know, obviously, uh, you know, on a six-game winless streak, yeah, people are going to to kind of feel that way. Um, 
obviously great to see Io Akinola get back on the score on the scoreboard or score sheet. Um, you know, a lovely bit of play from TFC uh, highlighted by Jimenez's pass into Io uh, and a really great first touch by Io and a great finish. I mean, that's got to do his uh, do his confidence a world of good uh, to see it. You know, see him one get the start. You know, play so well. Um, and, and really sort of get that cleanly out of his feet and see that go in the back of that must be a, a great feeling for him. Uh, Chris, I'll bring you in in a second. I'll bring you back in. Um, just a reminder, if you want to join the show, give us your thoughts on the match. Uh, go ahead and uh, grab the mic, bottom left-hand corner, um, and, and request the mic. Uh, also, if you want to tweet in any questions or any thoughts on the match that you want Sean and I to address, uh, follow us at... TFC Tunnel Club, uh, neither DM us or just uh, respond to one of the posts that we have, and we will uh, address that on the show. But Chris, go ahead. Um, I agree. It was nice to see Io get a goal. Um, to be honest, until Insigne arrives, I think we have to figure a way to get both Jimenez and Akinola on the field together. They're our two best forwards, slash well, like if we include wingers as forwards, they are two best options, in my opinion. Um, I think they can play up top together. Um, they both operate very differently. Um, I know probably once Insigne arrives, that's probably not possible. Um, but I think we have to get them on the pitch together. Um, I think they can develop uh, some chemistry, as shown by the goal that they did score. Um, and like I said, they operate very, very differently. Um, and I know we haven't gotten to that part of the game yet, but um, I just want to shout out Osorio. Um, I think he's been our best player of the season. I said this a couple of weeks ago. Um, and he just comes back from injury and scores us a clutch goal. Um, I remember back in like 2015, 2016, uh, ripping into Osorio because I thought his finishing back then was quite shocking. But it's something he's really worked on. Um, and he doesn't meet many chances to score a goal. He gets it away, maybe one or two chances a game. Um, and he, he's able to put the ball in the back of the net, no matter how difficult it is, it seems, these days. And he's developed this now. Are you reading our show notes? <laughs> Are you reading our show notes? <laughs> <laughs> and um, he's developed this, like, knack of just making these late runs into the box. Like, it, it like as a Man United fan, it's somewhat, like, like a little bit of, like, poor goals, like, late run into the box, maybe a little bit like Frank Lampard. Like, I, I don't know where he's learned this from, but the last, like, two, three years, he's developed this knack of just making a run into the box and then the ball just finds him for some reason. I don't know, like, it'll deflect off somebody and just land at his feet. I don't, it's like he's got a magnet um, uh, to his boot that attracts the ball or something. But uh, I just want to shout him out. I think he's been the player of the season. And I want to know if you guys think he is the person we need to build our midfield around both this season and going forward. Um, I think he is. Um, I think if we were to sign a midfielder, um, it needs to be somebody who can play with Osorio. Um, I know that maybe long-term may be bad for Pozuelo, may be bad for Bradley, but in my opinion, he's our best midfielder right now, and uh, I think we need to build around him. Okay, great question, Chris. Thanks so much for your thoughts. I'm just going to put you back in the audience there. Um, thanks for reading the show notes. No I'm kidding. Um, yeah, no, you, you've... You've kind of uh, brought in a lot of the things that we were, were, were going to talk about today. Um, to answer your question about Osorio really quick, because uh, we are going to talk about him and his goal a little bit later. Um, 
look, I, I've said it on the show before, Sean, I think you've said it as well. I mean, unless he tells you he expressly wants out of the club, I don't know how you don't sign him. Um, I, I, he's one of those guys who, um, beyond being a, a fantastic footballer, and and I'm going to take issue with one thing you said, Chris. I think he's always had the knack of arriving late in the box. He had it from his first season with TFC. He scored a lot of his early goals that way. If there was a criticism of him from me, uh, you know, during those times, it wasn't that his finishing was bad, is that he wasn't getting into those uh, late run box situations uh, to get himself goals and was instead trying to sort of curl stuff from outside the box. Um, and I think he's better actually as a, as a player that arrives late in the box and, and, and that's when his finishing is actually really good. Um, but I think you have to sign him. Um, and I think you have to try to find a way to keep him at the club. Um, Sean, I don't know what your thoughts are on that. Um, pretty much the same. I mean, there's not much. I, I I feel he's a legend and and should hopefully stay with the club as long as he want, his heart desires to be here. Um, I won't necessarily build solely around him in the midfield, but I do believe he's he's a key asset and a key um factor in in building our our midfield moving forward absolutely Um, and and funny enough to touch on that final point that we added uh uh regarding our talking point i did steal from chris so chris has been in our heads before we started right (laughs) well look i i think um look i i think he also mentioned you know like the two strikers and it's in our show notes here to talk about you know is this maybe a better way for us to go forward Obviously, as Chris mentioned, Insigne comes and that probably changes things in terms of how you have to structure um, the team. But in, uh, in theory, as I, I, and I think we said this a few shows ago, like Insigne could play as a second striker, kind of, um, kind of in that same Javinko role because he has that ability and has at times done that for Napoli, um, you know, in the past. So I wonder if right now playing two strikers up top um, – is a better way to now, obviously where does Pozuelo fit in a situation like that? I don't know. Uh, I still think he is not exactly the best fit for the way this team plays at the moment, but or at least how Bob Bradley wants to play. But I think what giving two strikers does is it just allows the center backs to have another thing to be occupied about. It opens up space for some of your dangerous players like, you know, look Deandre Kerr, I think benefited from, you know, center backs and defenders having this, keep an eye on Io Akinola and his runs, right? I think, you know, Jaden Nelson, it gives Jaden Nelson just a little bit more room to get into those spaces to make things happen, right? So uh, for me, you know, I don't know if you necessarily go with that every single game, but I, I think it's now a legit option that uh, Bob Bradley can can take a look at. And I, I think something you just don't dismiss out hand as sort of just, hey, this is a one-off and we'll never do it again. Yeah, it was definitely. I mean, it, it worked. It's not going to work every game. You have to it with MLS. It depends on who you're playing, what kind of formation, um, and when Insigne comes. It you know if you can have all of them on the pitch, that just makes on a, from an attacking standpoint just as much more dangerous, right? How 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 do teams defend, right? Do you play man up man to man? Do you play like when you have a team that literally can have two or three different players on any given moment, put the ball in the back of the net, right? So to me, there will be days where you want all of them on the pitch because it will just scare defenses. 
Yeah. Um, hmm. I, I'm just thinking, you know, because Pozuelo is going to be an interesting question, obviously, as he gets fit and returns, right? Like, he's had good connections with Jimenez, but... Again, I, 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 I'm uh, the more the season goes along, and again, things could absolutely change once J- July comes around, and we are going to talk a little bit about uh, Bill Manning's comments about incoming signings later in the show. But um, you know, once he gets you know here, once soon since he gets here, the, Pozuelo could become you know the old Pozuelo again, right? Um, he could find that space to make things happen. But as of, as I see it right now, I just don't see where he really fits um, long-term with, with the club. Um, but again, that's a conversation for another day. Um, I guess we can sort of talk a little bit about sort of going into the, going into halftime, you know, the team really started to click, started to really play some really nice stuff. Um, and, and could have had, you know, maybe two goals uh, in that first half, uh, you know, but obviously they come out um, tied 1-1 at halftime. And you're thinking, hey, look, this is a great way to build into the second half. It's great momentum. They're playing well. The, yes, they gave Bono had a little bit of a shocker um, at the end of the first half where he almost gave the ball away, literally passed it um, to a DC United forward. Um but you're thinking, okay, you get out of that. It's one-one. You go into halftime. You come out, and if you can sustain that over the first couple of minutes in the second half, away you go. You know, you're you're in a good spot. Uh, and then the second half starts, and uh, again, going back to our, our initial point, they do not have a great start to the second half. Um, and, and DC are kind of back in the ascendancy. Um, and Okay, let's talk about it. Uh, the second goal for DC United, um, a shambles, uh, you know, is the only way I can really describe it. Um, Sean, you kind of were touching on it at the beginning of the show, so I want you to go um, in deep, go deeper into what you were thinking on that goal in terms of Bono. I have some criticisms of Cozy Thompson on that as well, um, but uh, Sean, just sort of you, you've played goalkeeper. You, you've you, you've talked about Bono before, um, so we don't want to go through every single talking point about Alex Bono again. But um, you know, what did you see on that goal? What do you think um, you know Alex Bono could have done there, uh, just coming out of his goal? Oh, Sean, if you're trying to talk, you are on mute still. Sorry about that. Um, <laughs> yeah, so you have to like to, to me the minute you realize your defender, there's a mistake or your defender screws up. You've got to be ready on your toes to attack. If you, you like make that decision. I'm, if I'm coming out, I'm coming out hard and I'm winning that ball. You have to have that in your head. He hesitated off of his line. When he went out, there was no confidence in him trying to stop that play. Like for a split second, you thought maybe he got it, but if he went out with more aggression, I felt he would have stopped that dead on right away. He would have made that save, but he lacked that, that, you know, simply put in my opinion, he lacked the confidence. He didn't lack the, the, he didn't feel he had what it took to, to attack it. Like, I mean, I think Chris even touched on it. You saw him hesitate. You literally could see, he didn't know, should I go or shouldn't I go? You can't do that as a keeper. You gotta, you make that decision instantly and you go good or bad you once you got to rely on your instincts 
and he doesn't have the confidence in himself right now. So that makes me – and like I said, we've heard him say that in an interview with these losses, how it's getting into his head. How are you continue putting him out there? Maybe he does need a break. I'm not saying that goal was solely his fault, but you saw the lack of confidence in him in what he, his job is to, as a shot stopper. Well, he just looked like he didn't have confidence all game. Like that was the crazy part, right? Like he he had look. It's it, I said it in the in the uh, the Kings of the North chat for those who are in the supporter group. Like he may have cost us three points today because I thought you know I or, or on Saturday I thought TFC could have walked away with three points in this match. I don't think DC United completely were so dominant um, in terms of the way they played that we had no business walking away with three points. Yeah. Um, but he might have cost us three points, but at the same time, like he did other things that might have got us a point too, like in terms of some stops he made. Um and, and at times where he did come out and was decisive to get the ball. Like it, it just it's you know you you I don't know. It's it yeah I mean maybe it is a confidence thing. I, I'm not gonna profess to know what's going on in Alex Bono's head, right? But yeah. um it, he just had weird moments where like he looked like he was assertive and then like I said there were a couple times where he practically almost gave the ball right to a DC United attacker to tap in they just weren't clinical enough when they got the ball from him and again we hate week in week out to harp on him because even when he does play well every game there's always those moments and that's the problem there's not there we haven't seen any consistency and again improvement in areas all we're seeing is the same like he'll make those saves that we're like we know he can do that. That's what Bono, the, the shot-stopping Bono, we know. But then he has a gas week in, week out that we're like, oh, my God, no, not again. That's the problem. And how can you, you – like, at, at a certain point, like I said, he do I believe he can play in this league? Yes, but I don't know if he's a starter. Actually, I don't think he's a starter. I think he's a, he's a, a quality number two. Or paying I'm, like a starter, right? Like those boundary numbers came out we, this week. We've been playing him as, as a starter for a while now, and he hasn't really been that since our MLS Cup run. No. Right? So, and even then that year, if I'm correct, like the year we won it all, how many games, like it was like, didn't he all, like it was split between him and um, Irwin, if I'm correct. Well, Irwin got hurt, right? Irwin started off as the number one, and then he got hurt. Uh, right. and then Bono came in halfway through the season or maybe a quarter way through the season and never gave the job back. Right. Like, so, you know, it's, it's, I, I don't know. Like I, like, like I have a lot of time for Alex Bono. Like I'm probably one of those few people who actually has a lot of time for Alex Bono. I actually think he is a, when he is mentally right, he is a good MLS goalkeeper, right? Like he's a good MLS goalkeeper. He's a guy who, you know, can stop shots when he is, like you say, aggressive or, you know, decisive and when he wants to come for a ball, he generally gets the ball. It's, these, it's just these moments of doubt that seem to creep in from time to time. It's not even like game to game. It's literally moment to moment um, where he has a moment where, he, again, he's decisive. He, he, you know, gets in the right positions. He makes a good stop. And then it could be 10 minutes later and he looks indecisive and he comes out. And again, I am going to put a little bit of stick to Kosi Thompson. I do think Kosi needs to be stronger in that play where he could have uh, put in a, a more decisive tackle or at least come across the come across. I believe it was Taxi Fontes 
uh, to try to block him off a little bit more, to give Alex uh, just a little bit more time to come out and get the ball. But I do agree that if you're coming out, two hands to get the ball, right? Um, where he kind of starts to come out and then he kind of tries to stop it and it just turns into kind of nothing. And it's a squib ball that turns into a loose ball that just everybody misses and it goes right uh, right to Estrada to score, right? So it's just, yeah, it's just a, it's just a weird one where, again, I, and I, I don't know. I, again, everybody's sort of saying, well, try Q, play Q, see what happens, right? But uh, right now at this point, you know, is Quinton Westberg in the right mindset to be a starting goalkeeper, especially as he's been sitting for as long as he's been sitting? You know, I, I don't know. I, I, I couldn't tell you. Um, you know, it's a, it's, a, it's a weird one in terms of uh, moving forward. Oh, we might have lost Sean as a speaker. Um, but, Sean, if you can just request your speaking duties, I'll get you back in here. Um, yeah, okay, perfect. I'm going to bring Sean in. Um all right, here we go. There you go, Sean. Um, also, yeah, got you in here. Um, so, yeah, go ahead with your thoughts. Go ahead and mute yourself and, and sort of give us your, your thoughts on the game or, you know, if you're on the Alex Bono out train or not. Sorry, you cut out. Was that for me, Niet? Yeah, that, yeah, that's go ahead. All right. Uh, first off, I disagree. I do think Bono is a starting goalkeeper in MLS. Maybe not a champions team, but... He's a mid-level. Uh, if you look around the uh, um, teams, I think he's one of the upper echelon. When it comes to – or mid-echelon. When it comes to distribution, look, I know I've brought this up before. All the Every league I've ever watched, I've watched the Mardan Premier League, which you guys have never heard of. The best teams have goalies that can play the ball, and our goalie can't. Uh, his, 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 his lack of distribution and his lack of confidence at times – just really sinks him. But he won us the only cup we have in terms of MLS. Um, so I, I, I hesitate to, you know, rag okay. on him too much. Uh, okay. I, I, yeah, he did not win us that cup. The team won us the cup. If you look at that lineup that we had yes, in front of him. I agree. I agree. We, we were like, so again, and you just, you just proved our point. He's a mid-level at best MLS keeper. TFC does not, like if we want to be just an average team, fine. But I don't believe anyone in, in this in this chat expects or wants to be a mid-level team. We want to be one yeah. upper echelon. So again, no disrespect to Bono. Yes, he's done a lot, but his distribution has not improved. He's been in the league how many years? Six, seven, almost ten years now. So do we start looking at Conway? No. Uh, and I, I like no. Conway, but do we start looking at I, the, the his coach, his we, goalkeeping coach? That's a that's a legitimate question. There's, when it comes at the end of the day, though, I my opinion, this season I'm not focused on worrying over who's going to be our starter because I think that's something that we do need to address in the off season. But there, I don't think we have really we don't have anyone in 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 from TSC two downwards that is ready to step in. But I just don't know. Like we do, I think we do need to address this position at some point in the off season because I yeah, don't yeah. believe neither of the the guys we have are are our future solution. Yeah, and I'll I'll sort of address Nian and Sean a little bit here. Um, look, I do I think he's a, I think he could start in MLS for sure. Um, I, I think he's not being helped by the fact that our defending is is poor, right? Let's just let's let's put it out there, right? He leads the league in saves. 
and people are like trotting that as a great stat. It's not a good stat for a goalkeeper. If you're leading the league in saves and he's defensively, you're kind of bad, right? You're letting up too many shots on goal. Um, you know, so from that perspective, you know, he's having to uh, face a lot of shots. Um, and I don't think that um, does, a. I mean, you know, I know goalies want to, to get shots in to feel the ball to be able to, um, to get into games, but I don't think he's, I don't think he's, he, he means it that way. Um, you know, and then from a, um, you know, and from a, 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 a playing perspective, yeah, look, I, I, I think he's got a lot of pressure on him. He's one of those goalkeepers, probably one of the few goalkeepers in MLS who legit gets a lot of pressure on him, right? Because of the expectations at this club, not a lot of, um, MLS clubs have the media scrutiny that uh, that TFC face, right? Like, you know, you, they, they don't have to end up, you know, facing the media as much as they do. They don't have fans on them as much as, as TFC does. So I think that plays into things a little bit. Uh, and look, he's also facing a contract year, right? He's, he's out of contract at the end of the season. Um, in a lot of ways, I think he's playing to see if he could stay at this club. Uh, and like, like we said, we, this club is going to have to find, a, a new way forward at goalkeeping. Uh, and maybe that's playing into things a little bit. I don't know, but, uh, it's a hard one because I, I agree with you, Ned, in the sense that, look, he, he did help us win a cup in 2017. Like he, he did. Uh, was he the sole focus? No, obviously not. Um, but it, he was really great during that run. He was great at the Champions League run as well. Uh, and then I don't know what happened after that because he lost his job, right? He lost in 2019. He lost his job. Uh, you know, and it wasn't like a new manager came in and decided he was no longer the starter. It was Greg Vanny dropped him as a starting goalkeeper for a reason. Uh, and we don't know exactly why, um, but there was a reason. And as Chris Armis came back, he got his job back and he's kept it ever since. And again, we're not quite sure why. And I think that's what, and I think that's what leads to a lot of fan kind of what the hell is going on in goal. Cause we never really knew why uh, Quentin Westberg lost his job last year. We don't really, we didn't really get an answer to that question. And I think that leads to, sort of the constant talk about goalkeeping, which I'm getting tired of too. But, you know, when these things happen in games, that conversation is always going to come up uh, once again. And yet I'm going to move you back to the audience. Thanks for your thought, man. Uh, if you want to jump in again, uh, let us know. Grab the mic because I know there's a few other people that want to jump in as well. Um, but uh, Ravi, I'm going to bring you in. Um, Ravi, give us your thought. Unmute yourself and uh, give us your thought on the game. Going, yeah, not too bad. I'm doing doing? all right. Um, something I want to—I'm not hearing a lot of conversation around—is um—is with regards to the kids. I mean, we're talking a lot about them in general, and we sort of talk about how you know this player is doing something good, and this player has a good future. You know, this is an evaluation period right now, and we're we're trying to figure out which one of these kids is up to the standard to actually continue with the first team and learn on the first team. Um. You know, there's a lot of mistakes that are happening uh, in games. We said that, and it's from the youth, and it's from the same guys who are doing it. Um, 
and uh, to be honest, I wouldn't be surprised if you know some of those guys that are coming in at at the at the at the the summer transfer window, if they're going to be replacing some of these kids. And we need to have more of those discussions of serious. I'm not saying get rid of the kids, but you know, like who is ready and who isn't. Like for me, you know, like a Ralph Prizo, I think he still has a legitimate chance to to remain with the club. I think someone like Cozy Thompson might need to, you know, take a step back, maybe go back to TFC two, maybe get loaned out somewhere else um, and get replaced by one of these guys coming in the summer. But yeah, I, I, you know, the youth are really having an impact on this club um, in more negative ways and positive ways. And I think we should have more discussion around that because I'm hearing a lot about, you know, Pozuelo and Osorio and Bono, but we're not talking about the kids because, and this is the time we should be talking about them and being, Hey, go ahead. Yeah, Ravi, thanks, thanks for that. Um, Sean, I think you want to go ahead, so go ahead. Yeah, um, I'm going to agree, disagree a little because I think we, in the, especially in pretty much every week, we talk about the kids, and I don't think we're, we've shied away from focusing on where the areas they need to improve. Now, to touch on someone like Kosi Thompson, Kosi Thompson, who is being asked with a few other players to play a new role, a position that, they probably never played in their career, which is more of a defensive, you know, wing back type of position. And most, most soccer players who are, you know, whether you're a midfielder or more of an attacking player, you're always in that attack mindset, not focusing on your defensive um, requirements. Now you're asked a player who's not done that to adjust on the fly, which is hard for anyone. So I'm not going to harp on, like, I'm, I'm expecting him to make mistakes week in, week out. That has to happen. But I also expect the club to address because reality is, is we don't have any options right now. So you kind of have to expect these mistakes to happen week in, week out. Will the club address some of the areas? Most likely, based especially on the comments, and we will touch on this a little later, but you kind of have to live and die with the mistakes because what he can bring, especially on what they bring on the offensive, Kosi Thompson, Luca Petrasso, Jacob Schaffer, all these young kids, you kind of have to be willing to allow them to learn, make those defensive mistakes, and it won't happen overnight. Some of them will pick it up quicker, but you have to be willing to learn to see if you feel confident enough to allow the growth that, that, that can happen when a player adapts to a brand new position, especially in the, when, it, when you're asking him to now be more of a defender versus an attacker. And, and yeah, I, I don't disagree with you there. I think where my head is at is, Yes, right now we are learning to live with these mistakes, but there's going to be a point where we can no longer live with it. We need to bring in more veteran players, more consistent players. But we can't right now, Ravi. We can't. Like the way this the 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 club chose to go in the season with a 23 man roster, so we have no other option until the summer window to add. So until then, we like I get it, but we have no like reality is is, and even in the summer window. A lot of fans have to understand we're still not going to all of a sudden replace these young kids with it. Like most of these young kids will still be playing. Like people have to understand we're still going to see a lot of these kids for most of this season because three or four is probably all we're going to see. But right? that's a lot. Of we, but we still need to identify those young kids that are not going to be around during this period after the July window. Yeah. Uh, so, so Ravi, if I could say really quickly, I, I think. I get what you're saying, and, and what you're saying is legit. Like, like, yes, we're 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 seeing the young players make mistakes, but I think where 
where we have to kind of pump the brakes a little bit on them is the fact that they're not just going to go away, right? They're not going away. This is a commitment from Toronto FC uh, to continue to develop young players and bring them in as part of a long-term build to build a new core of players, right? The the core that we, we have become used to and accustomed to is gone. It's dead. 2017, 2018, you know, 2019, even if you go back to 2015 and 16, that, that's dead. That era is dead. It's long gone. It, it, we we kind of have to get our minds out of that because it's not coming back right now. Um, and in what, what we're doing right now is we're kind of building the next team. So if you look at it from, a, and again, as somebody who's a Man United fan, kind of look at it from, how Sir Alex Ferguson built teams. If you look at an Arsenal perspective, how Arsene Wenger built teams, you had to, at some point kind of do the bloodletting um, where we were players that were great servants to the club and were amazing at a period of time have to be let go in order to bring young players that are going to make the nucleus of the new team that will go ahead and compete in the meantime. Yeah. You're going to suck for a little bit. Um, and not be at the level that you expect this team to be a year in and year out. Um, and, and I think for the first time, really, Toronto FC fans are dealing with this. Because prior to the good times, we just knew nothing but bad, right? And then all of a sudden, you know, we, we bought our way out of being bad. Um, and we bought a core, essentially. We didn't develop it through an academy, right? We went out and we made purchases and we made trades in MLS and we signed free agents to make that core that then went on to be almost world beaters, right? Now we're doing it in a different way. So um, I equate this season kind of to the 2013-14 kind of era of TFC where you, you're starting to build something. You're starting to find those pieces that, yes, Here's a piece that I know is going to go with us and go forward. This is a piece that's going to stay. We kind of talked about this last week on the show. There are going to be some players that, yes, don't stick around uh, for, with TFC. Either they get sold off or, you know, TFC trades them in the league, whatever the case may be, right? Like that, that's going to be a case. Not every one of these young players is going to stick around as a core piece for Toronto FC. But I, I think right now, the benefits to you now will pay off in the long run. Um, and, and it's hard to, it's hard to accept that as a fan because we want to win now, right? You want to win now. You always want to be in uh, a cup final. You always want to be in, in position to potentially win a league. But I think we do need to take a step back in order to move where we want to go going forward. And, and that's a, It's a tough one. It is tough. I, I agree so, in terms of you and you pointed out Kosi Thompson. And just before I let, I let you go, I wanted to point out that I actually think Kosi Thompson has been phenomenal um, as a Toronto FC player so far as a senior player, G- given the fact that he's being asked to play a role. He's never he, up until his very first professional game had barely spent a minute playing. Um, and I, I think he's been fantastic. That said, yes, he is making mistakes that may be costing us goals. 100%. But I think uh, over the long period of time, this will benefit him going forward. Go ahead, Ravi. Yeah, and that's sort of, that's not really, I'm not saying to get rid of them, but again, we're talking about first team minutes here, and that's kind of where my head's at is, right now, a lot of these guys are getting first team starting minutes. 
Um, because we don't have anybody else. Literally, because we don't have like, anybody else. Exactly. Like, and, this, and, and this is what we expected. This is the evaluation period. We're evaluating who is ready to step up and do that. Some of these kids are still a couple years off. And I think as much as we want to develop this core and really build from within as opposed to going out and buying, I think we also need to be realistic here and, and realize that we're, this isn't going to happen in a couple years. And it may not happen with them playing first team minutes and maybe not even because some of them are like 19 still. They may get shipped off the TFC too or go somewhere else for, for minutes, for actual minutes to learn how to play these positions. Cause Oh, the the, the top young guys like like the the Jadens, the Jaquils, the Kosi Tom, they're never going back to TFC two again. No, they're not. They're not going to TFC two, right? Like like Luca Petrasso is never playing another minute for TFC two unless he gets hurt and has to do a rehab stint, right? Like the, the, you know, from that perspective, those guys are first teamers or we're shipping them out somewhere else if they just don't work out. Um, but I, I think right now what you're starting to see is a couple of guys who could be part of the court, right? I think you see a Kosi. I think you see uh, a Jaden. I think you see, uh, you know, uh, somebody like uh, Luca Petrasso. I think you're starting to see some players that could potentially be a part of a core. And when I say core, it doesn't necessarily mean that they have to be starting week in and week out to be a part of the core. Right. You could be a very influential piece coming off the bench, making um, significant impacts on the team um, from that position as well. So, again, that, that's what I mean by you're filling out the roster that way. And then as we're going to get to in a, in a, in a few minutes, we're going to talk a little bit about potential summer signings or what positions that the, the team needs to upgrade at. But right now, I, I think you need to have that evaluation process. And I, I think as much as it kind of hurts because you're losing points in that way, I still think this is still the right way to go forward in terms of building the team. Right. And and to touch on that, I think what we also have to recognize is some of the players who the, the role that they're being asked to play right now will not be the role within the club long-term. Part of the reality is, is Jaquille Marshall already got hurt. What? Second, third game of the season. He's supposed to be playing where Kosi is. Um, Jaden Chung's supposed to be his backup. Things haven't worked out as smoothly as possible. Kosi has been at, literally asked to come in and play a role he's never played. He's really more of a midfielder attacking role. So a lot of these guys, the positions we're seeing them in right now might not be what we see them in a year or two from now, right? And like Michael said, a lot of these guys won't necessarily be starting 11 week in, week out, but they will be key assets on the 18, on the 23, Right. Guys that, you know, that when you have a lot of games, you have travel, you know that you can call upon to step in. And that's kind of what you ha you have to live and die with this season about is that you're going to have, unfortunately, games where not just the Kosi's, but TFC two guys got to got to be part of the 18 because we just don't have the depth. Yeah, and I think the last point I'll, I'll just make on this is you're right, Ravi, that some of these guys you know, may not be with the team next year. Like some of the young players may not be, whether again, they're sold, but that might actually be a positive thing, right? Because whether they get sold and we get cash um, or they are traded within MLS and we get veteran pieces back, right? Because remember, MLS is a funny old league uh, you don't do interleague transfers per se, you can do trades, right? So, you know, if you do want a veteran piece, uh, a significant veteran piece, you know, you may have a team that says, hey, like, I really like Femi and Tagalu, or maybe I really, you know, I dig DeAndre Kerr, 
and because you're bringing in veteran players that are going to essentially take the minutes at those spots, another team in MLS might value them enough to say like, hey, we'll let you part with a veteran defender or, you know, a, a, a solid, you know, left back option. Right. That that might be another option there, too. Right. So that's why you kind of also put these kids out there because they could go in the shop window. Um, and, it, you know, I, I don't think that's exactly the full plan. But, you know, for Jaquil, it probably is part of the plan. Right. Hopefully a European club that has interest in him, see him play and say, like, OK, yes, we'll pay you 15 million for him. And you and you get that money and you can reinvest it in other parts of the club. So. There's a lot to unpack there, Robbie, and then thank you for bringing up the youth point. Um, we have talked about it uh, in other shows, uh, but I think that, again, it's it's one of those things where the, the young players are going to play a significant part of TFC going forward. Um, Robbie, I'm going to move you back into the audience. If you do want to grab the mic again, feel free. Um, I do want to just keep us moving in terms of uh, the show. Uh, I do want to talk a bit about Oso's goal, the, the tying goal, a little bit. Um, and it, it does come from work from the young players, right? Uh, it's Jordan Perutza coming in as a substitute and being positive and showing a lot of strength coming down that flank to get the shot off. You know, Bill Habib makes a mess of the save, but to our benefit, right to Oso making that late run um, that Chris talked about uh, a bit earlier in the show. And I think that, um, you know, again, there is the there's sort of the positives of trying to put some of these kids in the shop window is that you do see their quality when they're able to show it. Again, it's not going to be consistent. And that's the struggle for us right now as fans. But when you do see it, you're like, hmm, OK, that's where I can maybe see a player making uh, a big benefit to us down the road. Um, Sean, maybe your thoughts on the Oso goal, um, a big one. Um, you know, to, to get us a point uh, in D.C. It was a big one. It was all grinded out. You know, as as we said earlier, it was a grinded out Ozo goal, right? The kind of goal that when you need a veteran to step up and do the dirty work kind of mentality, that's what he does and that's what he did, right? Um, like, yes, the, the young, it was Luca Petrasso stepped up took a shot, Bill Hamid, who, and, and I mean, in soccer, that's what you do. You shoot because you never know. Not every keeper is going to make the brilliant save. Uh, more often than not, you're going to have an opportunity where a keeper is going to make a blunder and you can, you can attack the rebound. And it, you know, when you have a po somebody who can play that poacher type of mentality, like Oso does, he was right there for it. And it was perfect. It was, and, and he has really become a really great late, in the box kind of run player to, to get those kind of goals. Um, and, and that's uh, getting him back is, is massive guys. Like, you know, this, this stretch, we've had a lot of injuries um, and a lot of illnesses uh, and just getting, you could see the lift he brought um, when he got back into the lineup and you could see how the, the team was playing better though. Uh, he, he did have a tackle. Uh, uh, that you know, look, he yeah. did not. He did, he did not see red. Um, but I feel like that might come back in the week uh, from the disciplinary committee. So we'll see uh, what happens there because he did. It did go to VAR review. Uh, was not deemed uh, a yellow card or sorry, a red card. I don't I, think it. I don't think it's red. But it, I, I against disciplinary committee, I could see them coming back and giving him a red in the week. See, I, I, I'll be very disappointed if they do because I, you know, I did, you know, re see that play a few times and it's like yes 
was his foot kind of high? Yeah, but he you can see he kind of pulled it out. He wasn't there was no malicious intent within that 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 tackle. So to me, they got it right on the field, and I think I'm I'm, I'm hoping it stays that way. But I have a, a quick question for you because we've had a few incidents where our guys have gone in with some real stupid tackles. This season. Really bad tackles. <laughs> <laughs> this is like outside of Bozo, This is not a first. No. Right. Is that something we should wonder? Like, or like, what's going on? Is 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 there like at practice? Are these guys going in so hard that they're like, you know, this is becoming the norm at practice? Is, yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, I, it's it's interesting. I I thought the same when I saw the tackle. I'm like, this is like the you know, maybe the fifth or sixth time during the season where I've seen, um, you know, TFC players, and like I expect to kind of expect it from like Mavinga or Carlos Salcedo. I expected from them that's that that's their profile in terms of how they they play and how they go in for tackles. But you're seeing it from some of the midfielders. Michael Bradley's had a few. Oso's now had one. Prizo. Uh, Jaden. Prizo. Uh, yeah. You know, um, you know, Noble's got stuck in a couple of times when he's played. Um, you know, so like, it, it, look, you kind of. You kind of like it in the sense that, look, you want some of that aggression uh, in terms of trying to win the ball. But again, I also think it's, it, you know, from the young players, obviously that is that is them learning. Um, from the senior players, that's a little bit more surprising. But I also think it's it's from a, a place of, you know, they're competitive guys and they want to win um, and they want to win the ball back. I think sometimes you, you, you in those moments where you're doing that, you you a little rush of blood to the head, right? Um, for me, it's just know, a, from a dis- disciplinary act, um situation it's come back to haunt us too often this year so i just yeah I, I hope not i i don't think it i I, per, I don't think it should i didn't think it was a red um but you know we'll, we'll see what disco thinks um because that could you know that could affect us for the chicago game this weekend okay uh last point of the show um and this was a question from chris he's tweeted it in um but also something that was in our show notes just in regards to summer signings um, and Bill Manning's comments about bringing in three or four um, new recruits in the July uh, window. Obviously, we know one's coming. Potentially two. Potentially two. I mean, we don't know what the Crescito situation is. Is he, is he not coming? Now there's a you know rumor about a left back from Dinamo Kiev, I think, or um, Dinamo Moscow, I think. I, I like that one because he's a lot younger and he appears yes. like, you know, that I think, you know, the, let, that rumor would be nice in my opinion. I don't know anything about the player, but if you're looking at, you know, age wise, 35, 24, that's a big age difference. True. Um, and, but go ahead, finish. Sorry. Well, I was just going to say like, you know, uh, obviously I think right now, you know, Chris's question was just around one, do we think three or four are enough? Um, and also, you know, what what positions do TFC need to strengthen it? Like, I, I think it's pretty obvious that they need a left. I think they need a left back. I like Luca Petrasso um, and I like Jacob Schaffelberg, but they're forwards to me. Um, they're better forward and higher up the pitch um, than from a defense than they are from a defensive perspective. Uh, you know, I, I think. 
you know, if you can get yourself um, another another central defensive midfielder or holding midfielder who really can cover ground and is really a ball winner. Um, and, and, and again, Michael Bradley does well in moments, but you need somebody who could really cover a lot of ground. Um, and I think you need a central defensive midfielder from that. And from there, I actually don't think we need a striker. Um, but, you know, some people are going to disagree on that. But I, I think those are the two major roles or positions right now that you need to fill. Um, you know, and, and if you do get a right back to great. Uh, but those are to me, those are the positions you need to fill. What do you think, Sean? OK, so um, I know a lot of guys would like us to fill. You know, we have what we can add five as a max because we can carry 28 guys on the active roster, right? So 30, I, 30 okay. So you yeah. could technically add, um, we could add seven more. Do I think that would be a wise thing to do? No. Yeah. No, God, no. <laughs> so I'm going to go with the three or four, as Manning said. Um, obviously, we already know where one position is going. So, you know, if you're adding at least two more, um, or definitely, um, to me, a left back would be, at a minimum, one uh, just a left back. I think you could, if you could add a versatile defender who can play multiple positions, would be even better to on top of that left back. Um, but I think the kids' experiment at that position compared to the right side is as has been more of a, a detriment to the team. So I think I would really want to secure that side more than the right. Um, and agree with you on the. Uh, uh, on a midfield position, more of an essential defender that can be that link between say the defense and an Ozo and a pause um, and allowing maybe Bradley to his role to change a little where, whether he is starting or not, just, we don't have to rely on him as, as that, that main point there. Um, You know what? I don't see a problem adding a striker. I think if, if we are doing the three or four, there's nothing wrong with adding somebody who actually can put the ball in the net outside of Jimenez. Yes, I believe Akinola can do that. But at the same time, he's still going to be, you know, like, let's not push him and expect him to to, to just light it up right away. Allow no, him. I mean, look, they, they paid him young. Dude. I know, I know, right? I know. Like he's, he's, he's coming off of a big injury. Give him a moment. Like, one, one good game. Like, I, I'm just saying, like, I don't see a problem adding, like, it's it's not necessarily a negative, adding one more striker. Um, I guess. But, yeah. but again, like I said, I don't think you need to. I don't want to the focus on trying to rebuild everything right now. I know we've touched on other areas that that do we do believe that there will be change. But to me, that's better suited for the off season versus the summer. Yeah, I, I agree. We all know, I you know. So we're not gonna. So Chris, I know you wonder if we should use one of those spots. No, we're gonna wait till the summer and make that decision to see if a, maybe they're going to bring some, you know, bring a starter in and then keep someone else as, as their number two. But that's a summer uh, signing for my, in my opinion. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I think, you know, from a goalkeeper perspective, that's an off season move unless somebody comes in with a, like an offer for our bottom and wants to sign him. But I don't know why they would do that in a, in when he's in a contract year. Um, you know, in, in terms of the other positions, yeah, I think those could be, um, those can be off season moves. I really think for, for the, for this season, it's three. Um, I, 
maybe, okay, fine. Maybe you bring in a striker or another winger. Um, though Jimenez can actually play the wing, and that's generally where he, he actually played when he was in Poland. Um, he wasn't necessarily a pure number nine. Um, you know, for, so from that perspective, he can kind of fill that role. If you do bring in another striker, again, whether that's, you know, the rumors are, you know, Matty Destro, I'm not quite so sure that's um, really accurate. Um, you know, the Bellotti stuff is still flying out there somehow. Um, but uh, either way, you know, I think those are the three positions. Like, obviously, you're bringing in a winger already with Insigne. You know, I think you need a central holding midfielder, and I think you need a left back. Um, and and will that fix all your problems? No. I, I still think uh, the team uh, will still struggle at times. But I think what it does is it could provide you with a little bit of more solidity in terms of just being able to maybe get better starts, uh, not sort of fall apart at end of games, things like that. Uh, and, and I think that's where um, the team can can kind of strengthen in the summer. So it will be, again, interesting to see. There's going to be a lot of rumors again, um, kind of like the offseason, where I feel like TFC is going to be linked to anybody and everybody um, in terms of moves because I guess we're that club now. Um, so, you know, it'll be interesting over, especially as we get into June, um, especially as the international window goes along. Um, what 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 happens kind of after the Chicago games? I think that's when that, that stuff might start to kick into high gear uh, in terms of transfer rumors. Um, uh, other than quick, that, I think yeah. Go ahead. Quick question before we do uh, let go. Um, Canadian Championship tomorrow night. Mm, yes. Any, any any surprises in in the eleven? Um. Well. The, we'll put it this way. TFC, unlike other years, is not going to have a problem putting a lot of Canadians in their 11. Okay? <laughs> no. Got a lot. Um, do I think expect surprises? Um, uh, I don't think you'll see a Jimenez. I could see them starting Io. Um, back to back? After just uh, yeah. playing almost a full 90? Coming yeah, off well, I mean, what cho- I mean, what other choice do you have right now? Either that or you're playing Jimenez back to back, right? Like, I, I, I think... Jordan? You know, you know, uh, maybe. Um, I, I think they start IO. I, I mean, you don't have to play them the whole 90, right? Like, yeah. you know, you could put them on for 60, uh, and, and then make a switch. Does Q um, get his first game? I could see Q getting a game, I, I could see him Q getting a game for sure. Um, you know, from, from that perspective, I could, you know, depending, I, I mean, again, it depends on who's fit, right? Because, you know, I don't know who's fit yet. Um, like the guys that you think would get made minutes, like Caden Chung or Noble Kello, they're all not fit. Um, so from a from that perspective, you may see Jacob Schaffelberg back. Um, there's been talk about that. You know, obviously going home for him uh, would be big if he can play again. It depends on if he's fit. Um, so I, you may see somewhat of a similar team that we saw on Saturday. Uh, just simply be, and that's just simply due to who's actually available to play. Uh, so, you know, from that perspective, I'm more intrigued on just how seriously will T not, not how seriously they do take it seriously, but just, you know, how hard will they go for this? Um, you know, in in terms of the, the cup, I mean, you would expect them to beat Halifax. If you're not uh, familiar, um, HFX Wanderers, uh, play TFC in the Canadian championship tomorrow, um, in Halifax and in Halifax just came off a four nil, uh, rubbing at home to the hands of Forge FC. So they're kind of on a low point right now, um, and, but they'll be looking for a response, and it's a big match for them. So uh, it, it really, it's just going to come down to how much do TFC really want to 
um, go in this cup. And Bill Manning has always prioritized the Canadian Championship from that perspective. But, you know, with injuries and with trying to kickstart your season and trying to stay in touching distance uh, in the in the standings for the playoffs, you know. With, I, a, with a Canadian final coming up in, in less than two weeks. Right. I, well, it depends on how you see that game. I mean, it, it makes you wonder, like, do they decide, all right, like, prioritize one versus the other? Well, I mean, if you prioritize anything, to me, it's you prioritize this, right? You prioritize the current run of the, the Canadian Championship and take your chances when you go to Hamilton uh, in a couple of weeks, um, especially because it's going to be during an international window um, and you probably won't have some of the Canadian players available because some will be with the national team. So, um, you know, that it's a, I, I think you prioritize this and you, you see. Um, but I, th- I don't think the lineup will be much different, and that's simply down to who's fit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, that's really it. Um, okay, well, I think we'll wrap up there. Uh, you know, a little bit longer of a tunnel club than normal. Um, thank you, everybody, for listening. Uh, you know, TFC are back at home next Saturday against Chicago before the international window. Uh, so in Chicago lost to NYCFC yesterday, I, I took a look at that game as well. Um, they're kind of in the same boat that DC United are in and that we're in, you know, it's a, it's a wooden spoon, <laughs> wooden spoon matchup, uh, between the two bottom clubs in the Eastern conference. So, uh, you know, this is one where you can hope to get three points, uh, and try to, you know, sort of make that move up the table before the international window. Um, Sean, any last thoughts uh, from you before we wrap up? Uh, you know what? Like I said, we got a point. We're going to take that positive. Let's, you know, if the team can get a, I, I'm, I, I'm going to look, I'm going to be optimistic. If the team can get a result tomorrow night, maybe they can build going into Saturday, you know, use the two games of, of points, getting good results, building their confidence. That's that hopefully can be a, a positive. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, look, there's some, there's some areas of concern and, and people who have those concerns, I think are they're they're valid, right? I, I think nobody's made it a completely ridiculous case today. Um, you know, there, there are things to be slightly worried about in terms of how this team starts games, how, how they are able to impose themselves in games and, um, but I also, again, those those flashes, it, it, it's tantalizing. It's hard not to think, ooh, you know, if they get some pieces in in July um, and, and if some of these players can progress, then maybe they can make a late run to the playoffs. It's completely possible. So um, we'll end it there. Um, as always, thank you for listening to the Tunnel Club. Um, check out uh, Toronto July Die podcast on Thursdays. Uh, a couple episodes ago, uh, Sean was on and did an amazing job as a uh, as a guest host, uh, as a spot host on the show. Um, so follow Toronto Till I Die at Toronto Till I Die on Twitter. Follow us at TFC Tunnel Club uh, for show uh, links and all things TFC. Uh, my name is Mike. You can follow me at Football Saves if you don't already. Um, and Sean, you can follow him at CDN Footy. Uh, for all things soccer-related and TFC-related. Um, other than that, guys, enjoy your holiday Monday. Um, if you're having a barbecue, enjoy. Light off some fireworks, uh, and we will uh, talk to you. Well, I guess, Sean, we're talking to everybody t- after tomorrow's match, aren't we? Yeah, we'll try and do a quick uh, you know, recap tomorrow night. Um, but, yeah, uh, we'll see you guys tomorrow night if you have time.
All right. Take it easy, everybody. Have a great day.